The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. Everybody's just a little bit weirded out about doing home inspections and wearing a mask and wiping down surfaces and worried that they're going to bring this into a house. It's just, it's always in the back of everybody's mind. So I heard it's just, it's still really weird out there, but we're still doing it because people are buying houses and they're still in need. Welcome everybody. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman, both from Structure Tech. And on today's episode, we were going to just dig into a little bit about what our life is looking like today. We started this conversation last week, and I think we're going to continue it a little more today. Talk about our our new reality. But first off, Ruben, Tessa, let's let's have an update. When we last spoke, we had talked about some online continuing ed classes you were teaching to real estate agents. How's it going? You're you're a week into the process. Are you feeling good about it? Yeah, we've done how many classes have we done now, Ruben? Three? We've done three, exactly. And we had, I think we had 250 people. We maxed out our availability for the our first and second one, didn't we? Yeah, for the first and second, but we added a third in between the two. And we didn't send out a big notice about that one. We just put something on our Facebook page. That was about the only advertisement we had saying, hey, look, the first and second filled up so quickly. We're offering more. But we still had a lot of people there. I mean, there yeah. was like... 50 people showed up at the other one last minute. Yeah, that was the repeat of the content we did on the first one. So exactly. a lot of people wanted to listen to that class. So Any um, good bloopers that came up? Like any <laughs> massive software kerfuffles? <laughs> there were a few moments. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're using a new software, the GoToWebinar. And I mean, I'm sure everyone is familiar with Zoom, but GoToWebinar allows us to host, you know, 250 plus people on these. So we're, we're trying that out. But yeah, there's definitely a learning curve with that, right, Ruben? <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. I mean, and, and we're not using this other software because it allows more people. I mean, if you pay for a more expensive Zoom account, you can have as many as you want. You know, you can have 500,000, whatever. But we're learning that at some point it becomes impossible to manage. You just yeah. cannot have that many people in one class. And it's almost like 250 is too many. And I say almost. I think we can still manage it because we've got Brian helping out. And, you know, Brian, when it comes to technology, he's surely smarter than the two of us put together. Yes. I mean, he's good with all this stuff. Yeah. Helping us just moderate the class and answering questions. But the questions that come in through the chat, it's like if we answered questions and that's all we did, if we answered them in live time, that is all we would do. We would spend an entire one-hour class doing nothing but answering live questions, and we wouldn't get to more than 30 seconds of content. <laughs> yeah, Brian well, is working full-time on typing responses, and he can't get to all of them. It's crazy. Well, people have an appetite for learning, and so when you, when you give them an open door to, to walk through... It, it sounds like uh, they're sprinting through that door. Well, some so of them awesome. are about the content, but a lot of them are just general questions about like the technology, <laughs> you know, just problems like, hey, I can't hear you. Hey, I can't see you. <laughs> hey, am I signed in? Those those types of questions too. But it's getting better. It's getting easier to use that. There was a little bit of a some technical issues on our side on the first one, but everyone was really nice and, and we've gotten better. So they're fun. Well, that's great. What else is new and exciting in the world of structure tech right now? 
that's thrust upon you that would have never been discussed under any circumstance six months ago and suddenly it's a topic of conversation. You guys are supposed to have an answer. For that's that. Rubens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing the same old thing here. Well, you, that's okay. You can answer that. What I was hoping to get at there was we're turning inward and we're, we're kind of reevaluating a lot of things that we're doing. So yeah, that's a great question, Bill. You should, you should ask that again and Ruben should answer that. <laughs> Good question, Bill. One of the biggest things we've done differently now is starting to reevaluate everything we do, looking at all of our processes. I mean, I think we talked about this during the last podcast, how we're having our inspectors go to the houses by themselves now and there's no clients there and our, our inspectors are finding that they think they might be doing a better job of inspecting when they're not having a discussion and explaining everything they're doing at the same time and it's really weird because this has been one of our sacred cows for as long as i've been a part of structure tech i mean since what is it 97 for the last 23 years we we've said it's important for clients to be at the inspection. And occasionally we'll do inspections where no clients are there. But now that we're doing these every single day, we're starting to get to the point where we think this might be a better way of doing it. I don't know. I mean, things might change, but I never thought I would be questioning something like this. I could go on, but hold on. Tessa, Bill, you guys have any thoughts on that before I just power through to my next topic. No, um, I just, I think it's really, really interesting. We're questioning, do the buyers need to be there for every second of the inspection? Do they need to, to hear about every little thing about the house? Or is it better to kind of have a more succinct discussion with them about the big thing? And we yeah. can do that maybe over a Zoom meeting or at the end of the inspection. So that was yep. my question. What does it look like now, the experience of the buyer? I mean, how are you then taking this information you've gathered while you've been at the house all by yourself? And how are you communicating it back to them? And what's been the reaction or the, the satisfaction level of the client? Sure. I'm not sure that Tessa or I are fully qualified to answer that because I haven't done a home inspection in a few months. And I think, Tessa, you're in the same boat, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I have not done an inspection since all of the changes with COVID. Okay. So, yeah, both of us are kind of out of it. I can share what I've heard from other inspectors on our team mm -hmm. because I ask everybody, how's this going? And people are following up with either a phone call or a Zoom meeting after the inspection. And they're spending somewhere between 15 minutes. And I heard somebody say, Tessa, didn't somebody say like 90 minutes? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just mind blowing. Yeah. There are some buyers that want to go through the entire report line by line. And that does take a while, but that's not everyone. So, so far, nobody's really terribly upset about it. I'm sure it's just, it's a change, but so far so good. Yeah, I'd say so. It's been good feedback from everybody on the team. Everybody's just a little bit weirded out about doing home inspections and wearing a mask and wiping down surfaces and worried that they're going to bring this into a house. It's just, it's always in the back of everybody's mind. So I heard it's just, it's still really weird out there, but we're still doing it because people are buying houses and they're still in need. Well, that leads me to my next question. What is business? What's the market looking like right now within the company? Where are you at? People still busy and the phone's ringing? Eh, it's, phones are ringing, but I think our business is at about 50% of capacity, if that. It's, it's a little under 50%. It's not nearly what we could be doing, not nearly what we expect to be doing. 
I mean, normally this is our peak season. This is where we can save up a little bit of money and put it away in the bank because we have some really big bills that come for our general insurance and liability insurance, E&O and liability, and, and our workers' comp. Those are all gigantic bills that we don't pay throughout the year. We just pay them in lump sums. And so this is the time of year where we can start to set aside money to help pay those bills. And we're not setting aside anything right now. We're either bleeding cash or we're breaking even right now, but we're not making any money. And it's, it's okay. We expect to do that during the winter time, but not now. So it's, it's making things a challenge. Okay. How are you feeling about this whole thing in general? My reference point for this question is I check daily. There's an article on NPR, National Public Radio, that you can go to and you can pick out your state and it kind of projects when the peak of this crisis is going to happen in your area. And just looking here today, uh, looks like we're supposed to peak out on a, April 29th. So last time I looked was a couple of days ago and it was the 26th. So it, it's sliding a little bit into the future. But how are you all feeling about this? Are you concerned long-term about this or is it just like it is what it is? Well, just answering from like a personal level, it's, it, it's a lot to, to process and to take on. And I know there's a lot of people that have lost their jobs and they're struggling with that. But I've got more work than I've ever had before. And it's tough to try and have focus and <laughs> and be productive when you've got you know a pandemic going on around you. So it's a challenge. How about you, Ruben? How are you feeling? It's weird. It's unprecedented. It's strange. I mean, I'm, I'm at home and I usually work from home anyway, as much as I can. But I've got two kids. I, my daughter just turned nine and my son is 12. And now my wife is at home homeschooling them all day, every day. We set up a basically a card table in the kitchen. They're both sitting there on their computers. They're on Zoom meetings and other stuff like that all day long. So it's just really unusual. And we don't go anywhere. We don't do anything. This last week has been so cold. There's been nothing to do outside, or at least I haven't wanted to go outside. I feel like I'm done with winter. <laughs> and it's cooped up, but it's good too, because I feel like our family is closer than we've ever been. My kids are getting along better than they ever have before simply because they, they have no choice. I mean, it's just the two of them. It's like either you get along with your sister or you got nobody. <laughs> so things, things are better. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look at the positive side of all of this. And there has been a lot of good. And there's been a lot stronger sense of community. I mean, I, I think I, we may have talked about this on last week's podcast. I have so many discussions now that I never used to have. I can't even keep them all mm -hmm. straight. But I feel like I'm doing Zoom meetings with different groups of people all day, every day now. Mm -hmm. That's good. And, and how about you, Bill? I'm feeling okay. I mean, like I said, I, I try to look to facts and not get in the whirlwind of the angry people and the sad people and all that. I mean, you have to give grace to as many people as possible because this is just such an unprecedented time. So when people are venting, I... I don't have a problem with the venting. I just can only listen to it for so long before I have to go away and try to refocus on something good and something positive mm -hmm. because there's just nothing we can do at this point. So I want to focus on what can I do to be better when everything turns around. And that's mostly what I've been trying to do. So my head is kind of down right now trying to learn. So when the thing turns around, we can sprint towards the next level. 
but I'm feeling fine. We've been home now for five weeks. My daughter had her school shut down a week before her spring break, and then they never went back to school. So I don't know. My house is clean. Sure. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm staying engaged in a lot of things. So I'm just sad. I miss people. I miss being able to uh, kind of get close to people and, and things like that. Just sit there and maybe shake somebody's hand or fist pump or something. But anytime I get around a group of people, even distantly, I get a little more energized than I do when I'm just at home. Sure. I heard the handshake is done with. <laughs> really? I, I, no. I, I heard that today that uh, it's never coming no. back. I don't believe uh, CBS it. CBS Sunday Morning but... did a great story about that last Sunday, and it's just yeah. on hold for a while. It's not dead. So. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> good. It, you can't hold down okay. a good handshake. That's just the way it is. No. So okay, I, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Ruben and your kids being at a card table in your kitchen. You know, it's been an adjustment yeah. working from home. Like I've got a like a temp office set up in the bedroom, and Jay has his office out in the main like living room dining room area. And it's and Mia's here doing her homework and everything too. And so when we do these online classes and there's 250 people, I'm not broadcasting from my bedroom. So that means I'm going to set up yeah. shop like, you know, in the dining room. I think before we started recording it, our most recent one, Jay was on the phone with someone and I was like, Jay, you have to get out of here right now. <laughs> it's like, you can hear your voice. <laughs> there's 250 people listening to you. So I kicked him out. He did not look too happy about it, but he did leave. So. <laughs> oh, funny. Poor guy. It was his well, birthday too, but you know. In his defense, he's oh my he's God. always got interesting things to say. So. <laughs> I'll tell him you said That's that. That's true. I, I wanted to bring something up because there was a somewhat heated discussion across email today about something that took place after one of your continuing ed classes that had to do with building code and attic accesses. So let's just do a little bit of home talk so we feel like we're not completely dismissing our just core. shooting the breeze. Yeah. 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 So fill us in. Why is it a problem when attic accesses are sealed versus weather strip? Sure. Tess, you wanna Sure. Well so part of this class that we were teaching is to basically help real estate agents get through the home inspection process with their clients as smoothly as possible. And one of the hiccups we run into a lot as home inspectors is showing up at a, uh, not only new construction houses, but existing homes too, and finding that the attic access has been sealed shut. And that means like caulked shut or painted shut, or if it's new construction, they've you know sprayed the texture over it and it's never been opened. And as home inspectors, you know, in order to get into that attic, you would need to cut the caulking or cut the paint or, you know, tap it open if it's new construction to get in there. And it's going to change the look of things. And now that's no longer just a visual only inspection. That would be considered potentially an intrusive inspection. It's going to change the look of it. And we're not supposed to do that. And so it's a challenge for us getting to inspect those areas if they're sealed shut. Ruben, do you want to talk about what the code says and what their actual documentation agreements say? real estate agents? I would love to. This is something that we talk about during this class because you know we're telling real estate agents it's really important for the home inspector to get up there. Even if it's brand new construction and the builder's saying, hey, it's brand new, it's been inspected before, you don't need to get your home inspector up there. We kind of address that during our classes by showing about 7,300 <laughs> photos of defects of attics that are brand new 
that have passed inspection to make the point that it doesn't matter if it's brand new or not. People make mistakes. And we talk about what the building code actually says. And when you go to the section, if you go to the energy code, the 2015 Minnesota Residential Energy Code, there's a section that talks about access hatches and doors. And it says that access doors from conditioned spaces to unconditioned spaces. And then it, it actually says this. I'm not throwing this in there. It says, e.g., attics and crawl spaces shall be weather stripped and insulated. So it says it right in our energy code. It shall be weather stripped. And Tessa, when was the last time you were at a new construction home and you found a weather stripped attic access mm, panel? Let me think. Never. <laughs> Came here. Well, maybe many years ago, I may have found one, but it doesn't exist. There is no such thing. They all do the same thing. They spray them shut on new construction. They seal it, which is not the same as weather stripped. Sealed means sealed. Weather stripped means weather stripped. They are not interchangeable, but that's what they do. And when the code changed, when this became official back in 2015, I didn't see any difference. I still saw all of the new construction homes having their attic access panels sprayed shut, sealed shut, caulked shut, whatever you want, however you want to put it. And I went to the building inspections department in a particular city. I went to their counter and I said, guys, please explain this to me. The code says this because I, you know, I, I'm just a home inspector. I, I don't interpret this, but here's what the code says. It says it shall be weather stripped. Why have I never seen it weather stripped before? What are you guys doing? What's your interpretation of that? And the person behind the counter, she says, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so I just said, okay, all right, you win. I mean, I didn't try to have an argument because you cannot have an argument with a building official. Nobody has ever won <laughs> that before. They're right by authority. Whatever they say is right, but they were just choosing to ignore it. I mean, if I'm sorry, I'm getting long-winded here, but if they wanted to address this, they certainly could. Yeah. Right, Tessa? The code right at the beginning has a list of definitions. That's chapter two in the code. And they have a bunch of explanations for terms that keep getting repeated in the code. And they say for terms not defined, you head on over to m-w.com. Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, and the definitions you find there for ordinarily used terms are hereby incorporated into this code. So if you flip on over there and you look up definition of weather strip, it says a strip of material to cover the joint of a door or a window and the sill, casing or threshold, so as to exclude rain, snow, and cold air. So it's exactly what we all know weather stripping to be. That's what the code says. It says you need to have weather stripping at the attic access panel. but Tessa, I am completely convinced that this is a section of the code that building officials just haven't taken the time to read, yes. so they're not aware of it. And then when a realtor or a home inspector comes to them and asks this question, they're like, eh, go away. I don't have time for you. It's required to be sealed. The code says yeah. it needs to be sealed. And that's what they tell you. And I mean, what we're bringing up right now, Bill, is, is this email I shared with you where we taught this class. We gave people the chorus and verse exactly where this is required. This agent went to the building official at the city, emailed them the exact code section and said, we really want to get in here, but it's sealed shut. Can you please enforce weather stripping? That's what it says in the code. And the building official said, well, the code actually just requires it to be sealed. Well, this is a type of thing that really gets home inspectors wound up, huh? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm ready to put my head through the wall. 
So who do you want inspecting your it's house, people? Do you want this guy out there looking for things? Or uh, do you want that dude who's like, eh, that looks hard to get at. I can't do it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We're passionate about this. And you know what? Just to further that point, I have a great example. Bill and Tessa, do you guys remember that discussion we had about whether or not you need a shutoff valve for an outside faucet? Sure. We had this discussion on our internal Facebook page where my dad had asked, do you need a shutoff oh, valve yeah, for an outside faucet? Oh, yeah, I do faucet? remember that. Yeah, and, and we all said, no, it got removed from the code. You don't need that anymore. And then we started digging into it, and then somebody on our team said, hey, what about this? It was either I found a section Joe or that Dustin. actually said I can't remember. Definitely one of the two of them. And we found a section where it said, actually, the reason it got removed, why you don't need a shutoff valve for an outside faucet, is because now, with the new plumbing code, all exterior faucets need to be frost free. And we all went, what the heck? We've been seeing new construction homes for the past, you know, four years or whatever. Ever since this code went into effect, nobody has made any changes. There's still faucets that aren't frost free being used all the time. So what the heck is going on? And I emailed the building official that I know, somebody who knows that, you know, we're not just, I don't know, lackeys. We, we kind of care about this stuff. And I said, what, what's your interpretation of this? Because we've never seen this enforced. And he gave me a very nice reply. And he said, that's something we've never noticed in the oh, building wow. code update. I'm going to have to check with the, some other building officials throughout the state. And I'll get back to you. And then he got back to me in about a week. And he said, that's just something <laughs> that nobody noticed. And we are going to start enforcing this on January 1st. And that was January 1st this year. They started uh. enforcing this. So... I mean, it's it's not unreasonable to think that some building code sections just get passed over quickly. People don't pay attention to them, yeah. so they don't enforce them. Yeah, and I well, think and that's the thing what's that's going wild on. Wild too is you know all these new construction houses. Like Ruben said, we've got a whole class designated to defects we find in new construction, and the majority of defects we find are in the attic insulation levels that are lower than what you know should be in there disconnected bath fans broken trusses all sorts of things it is so important to get in there and to inspect that and when an attic access is sealed and the builder doesn't allow us to get in there then we could potentially be missing all of those big problems you know so wow. yeah for me i wouldn't consider buying a home if the builder wouldn't give me permission to get inside the attic and don't take this as real estate advice I'm just having a conversation with you guys, but that's where I'm at. Wow, you guys love addicts. I love the passion. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. Bill. Bill, are no. we putting you to sleep? No. I Time's know. up, though, I think, right? <laughs> so it sounds like the entrepreneurs of the world are not looking hard enough at attic accesses. Feels like somebody's got to come up with a great way to make these things weather stripped. And, there is, there uh, is something out there. What, what is it? Why well, isn't it being used then? Well, because it's because it's it's expensive. You know, frame a an opening up with some plywood and just cut a hole in the sheetrock. Way cheaper. Yeah. If you and if for anybody listening, if you want to see some, like go mm -hmm. to Scuttle Tight. It's spelled S K U T T L E Tight T I G H T. Scuttle hyphen tight dot com or Google it. They make a beautiful attic access panel. It looks so much better than anything that gets field fabricated. And it's way easier to install. I mean, I don't know why every builder isn't using this on every brand They're new They're trying home. to save money. I, but when you think about the labor costs, it's like it's got to yeah, be a break even. I know. 
Seriously. Maybe this can be a move-in gift for every person in their new construction house. Here's your scuttle tight. <laughs> yeah, or their real estate agent or whoever, you know, like, like now you can go in there and enjoy your attic space. Bill, can you uh, leave the address of where scuttle tight oh, can start yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess it was a little fun today to kind of get back into that rhythm of, what gets the juices flowing on the home inspector level, right? Like with all of what we've gone through recently, it's just sometimes it's fun to go back and just tease you a little bit. You guys are really geeks. You're really home geeks. And that's the bottom line. So we love it. For sure. Air, high, a, five. air high five. So Sometimes. it sounds like where this question came from, uh, have you delivered a satisfactory answer? Is Is the questioner on her or his way to getting into their attic to solve their curiosity? I simply sympathized with her. I mean, she said, what do you think about this? And I said, it's infuriating. It's the same thing that I talked about in my class. You got people sticking their head in the sand. And thankfully, this agent who asked the question, I mean, she is a badger for her clients. She cares about her clients. She's trying to take good care of them. And she said she's personally probably going to go up there and caulk the attic access panel shut after we inspect it because the builder is requiring somebody on our end or the buyer's end to seal it shut afterwards so she's just going to do it and call it done wow so yeah, good she's on an her a plus agent she works really hard for her clients yeah. have fun with that tube of caulking <laughs> i do not get along well with caulking it never looks good so it's, <laughs> it's just, a skill the yeah. more you do it the better you get at it yeah, and I'm not sure an attic access is where I'm going to start my uh, my caulking <laughs> career. So, well, this has been good, guys. It's fun to talk a little houses again, and hopefully, the next time we get together, we can do it in a little more earnest. Any closing thoughts here, guys? Bill, thank you for all that you do. I I never tell you on this show what an awesome wow. host you are, but you are talented and you are touched, and I appreciate you hosting the show. I That's second what I that. Thank you, Bill. Bill, thanks for awesome. keeping us on track and asking great questions and reeling us back in when we get a little bit out there. So thank you. Hey, I enjoy it. Yes. I, uh, I love the passion, even though we'll agree that one and a half story houses are the best structures in all of <laughs> building construction. I thought we were going to end on a positive note. All right, everybody. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation, and we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech1.com.